September, Steve Vines jumps on. How are you? Oh, good morning. It has been a bit of a week, hasn't it? I mean, we might get on to what my favourite newspaper, the Global Times, calls the good news about another British journalist being chucked out of Hong Kong. Or oh, English journalists, they said. But, well, was it? They uh, said we won't miss him. We won't, we won't miss, miss him. Yeah, I mean, me and Global Times, we're like that. But I have to say, I've been in an absolute, how can I put it, fervour of excitement. Oh, yeah. Fervor is the word what we're looking for over over the policy address. I mean, it doesn't get better than that. I like the end of it, incidentally. What, 40 where, minutes in? No, no, no. I mean, I, brevity was good. I'm not complaining about that, but I like the end of it, where she said, I hope to restore faith in, in Hong Kong. Well, that's interesting. That's a that's a damning admission that faith has been destroyed. Well, the, so so well done, Carrie, for that. She's going to restore faith in Hong Kong. I'm I'm or hope was it hope or faith? I can't remember. Well, no, no doubt she won't tell us tomorrow when she appears on this very radio station. It's been a week of uh, contradictions. That's the word. So the Global Times basically said that's what happens, and the guys here are saying, well, no, it's got nothing to do with it, yeah, and uh, yeah, we no. don't have to give you a reason. But then Tam Yu Chung says that's not the reason. So what is the blinking? Well, I mean, uh, it's it's what Ronnie Tong in in weasel mode said—a very unfortunate coincidence that you've got the person who chaired the meeting with the um, Hong Kong Independence, um, uh, Andy Chan, and uh, he's done nothing and, else. And wrong. he's done nothing else. He's, <laughs> he's, he's I mean, Vic, Victor Mallet, as it so happens, mainly. Uh, he's actually an editor at uh, Financial Times here. So, I mean, he's mainly, um, he's not really writing that much because he's editing, you know, Other the Asia, stuff. Asia section of the paper. So it's probably probably near to close certainty it's nothing to do with what he's written. But that wouldn't make it better, incidentally, if it was something to do with what he'd written. But here you go. Here's the situation. Um, he, they're, they're saying, and I like Tam Yu Chung because, you know, poor old Tammy babes, he doesn't quite get it. So he says, well, hey, hey, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. He says, you know, it, it, it wasn't illegal at the time. He's talking about the Hong Kong National Party. But they should have known we were planning to make it illegal. I'm, think, I'm thinking, gosh, this is a new way of looking at the law. He's so laws, the truth, so the laws, laws work this way. The laws take effect not just from when they're actually passed or even when from or when orders are issued. They're when they're in the planning stage. Honestly, this is a new aspect to jurisprudence that even I and may I tell you, I've watched the full set of Rumpole, so I'm an expert on the law. Yep. Even I, with that sort of expertise, <laughs> know isn't quite right. It's all very weird. Midsummer murders, actually. It's all it's all very very strange. Like one person. Is this the time when I wonder? You know, let's I, let's move on to where it all came from in a minute. But is this a time when perhaps the people in Western or even more senior are saying, "I wish those people." in Hong Kong who like us so much would just shut up Well, there may, be, there may be an elephant to that. I mean, we're, we're talking about this in a light-hearted way and I, I've got to uh, um, figuratively or maybe actually slap myself around the cheeks because this is actually very serious. I mean, what we're talking about is the first time since the establishment of the Hong Kong SAR in which a, uh, a journalist has been removed from the premises for unspecified reasons, but clearly connected with being involved in an operation that involves expression of views. Yeah. Now, that's very serious. He's he's accused of... Well, he isn't accused because no accusations have been made, but the FCC, Foreign Correspondence Club, was accused of crossing a red line. By so, 
by, by, by quite a lot of people, <laughs> including Carrie Lamb. Yeah. But, you know, if you've got a red line, as a minimum, as an absolutely minimum, don't you have to state what it is? Yeah. You know, I mean, they're saying, well, you know, the red line is advocacy of independence, which, just for the record, and in case there's a scintilla of doubt about this, let me just say, neither the Foreign Correspondents Club or Victor Mallet at any time expressed support well, for Hong they? Kong independence. Indeed, why would it's they? It's not even on the uh, radar, is it? But, you know, it didn't express support for Carrie Lam when she came to spo- speak there. It didn't support express support for... Um, my good friend C.Y., when he went to speak there, it's not the job of the Foreign Correspondents uh, Club to express support or indeed to express opposition to things. It's a platform. And, you know, all these government figures are going, well, you know, it's a a very one-sided platform. Well, I tell you why it's a one-sided platform. Because they are invited. Carrie Lam has been invited. Many of them have been invited. And they don't come. And then they go oh, yeah, it's very one-sided, you know, you've only got the other people coming. Well, you can rectify this. It's in your hands. There's an open invitation, I happen to know, to Carrie Lamb to come to the Foreign Correspondents Club. The last She's, time she went there, last time she went, so well, it didn't did it? went well, so that may be why she ain't taking it up. But it's not just her. I mean, all sorts of people from the, from the um, government and the pro-government camp have been invited, and they simply won't engage. And then they whine and complain, oh, yeah, you know, these people are... Rude. Well, you know, Come up to the mark. Or is the problem, is the problem that they're so afraid that when they're in an open forum and their arguments are subject to to questioning from people as ghastly as foreign correspondents, even ones from England, possibly. Any journalist. Any any of them. You know, when they're in that situation, they don't have the answers. I mean, I strongly suspect that the refusal to engage is because the shakiness of the arguments. But nevertheless... The invitation is there. If they want to engage, they can do so. But the other really, really chilling thing about this, among many, among many, is that you can be expelled, and let's not put, you know, weasel words around this, you can be expelled from Hong Kong not for what you think, not for what you write, but for having the temerity to engage with people who think differently from the government. So you're actually two steps removed. You're not part of the opposition. You're not promoting the opposition, but you are asking people of different views what they think. Now, what their response has been, and, you know, if you read Weasel Central, and there's lots of it, I can think of a newspaper that runs articles on this and has been. They're going, well, you know, well, you know, they do that in America. They do that here and there. Do you know what? They're not wrong. And do you know what? Journalists oppose that as well. Mm. It, that there was a a um, a journalist who who was of Iranian origin, who applied for a visa to the United States to work and was was um, uh, kicked back. There were protests from exactly the same people who are protesting against what's happened in Hong Kong. Organisations like PEN, organisations like Amnesty, organisations like uh, Reporters Without Borders, etc., etc. All that Hong Kong's managed to do is join the the list covered in brown doo-doo. That's all it's managed to do. To be fair, on the other side of the spectrum, people are consistent. They do indeed protest against these violations of freedoms of speech in America. They do indeed protest about what's happened to journalists in Turkey. 
They do indeed protest about what's happened to journalists in many other parts of the world. What's so shameful is there was no need to do it in Hong Kong before. So thank you, Carrie, for adding Hong Kong to that infamous list of places which are subject to protest. I've got a question for you. I mean, another one of these conundrums. So the Foreign Correspondents Club, we're both members there. I haven't been in ages. Perhaps I should. Um, It's very dangerous. It's run by a board. Yes. So I'm curious, why go after the first vice president? Well, I... That's a, a perfectly legitimate question. It's run by a board. Yeah, that, indeed. That, that decides and, it, everything. and again, just for the record, I mean, I ought to say I'm involved in this. So, you know, this is not, if you wanted an objective view, you better bring somebody else in for that. But just I do happen, on this I, one, I, I do happen, yeah. well, these are matters of fact. Yeah. And before anybody gets carried away, this decision was taken. The decision to invite Andy Chan as a speaker was taken by the board. Like Full stop. Several people. Full stop. Yeah. Well, that's the board. That's the constitutional body that runs the club. The reason that Victor Mallet happened to be chairing the meeting is because the president, uh, Florence de Changi, happened to be away. These are happened to be things. I know, he, of all it, the gin joints. It wasn't that, 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 that Victor Mallet was clamouring, you know, to do it. It was just he's the vice president. This is how it works among grown-ups organisations. If the if the president isn't there, the vice president does it. You know, we're not talking about some weird invention that happened at the FCC. It happens everywhere. Yeah. So you're quite right. So why do you single out him? Well, I think the reason is twofold. One is he was prominently associated because he he sat on the and and but, and yeah. there was an unf- the, what was an unfortunate coincidence. Thank you, Ronnie Tong, for reminding us of that weaselly word. Was he happened to be in the process of renewing his work visa, so they thought, hello, 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 oh, hello, God. hello, hello, is is an opportunity. Have some of that. We'll have one of those now. Um, what happens next is as worrying as what's happened before. Because we're now in a situation where we don't know where this mythical line is. I mean, if, if for example, a journalist goes and interviews a member of uh, an organisation in Hong Kong, again, a perfectly legal organisation in Hong Kong that advocates a greater degree of autonomy, will they be chucked out? Will they be in, in some ways subject to, to, to measures? What is the situation where you get a... Um, you say that this actually is a specific example say you you work for an international newspaper which publishes an article with some from somebody even a comment piece from somebody who is resolutely opposed to to the uh, government in china and is critical in many ways you know to the extent of crossing every red, red line that exists in beijing do they then take it out on the hapless correspondent who happens to be stationed in Hong Kong. I mean, this is the sort of thing that indeed does happen in the mainland. And, you know, if Hong Kong is rejoicing that we've managed to reduce our level of press freedom Mm. to that level... And, you know, um, although, again, a certain newspaper deliberately distorted the remarks of the person who runs Amcham, um, Tara Joseph... The statement that that the American Chamber of Commerce finally produced was very telling. It said, do you think you can really have free markets without free flow of information? This is one of the bottom lines of why Hong Kong is successful, why people set up regional headquarters here, why you have businesses here. You have rule of law and you have a free flow of information. If, If the intention now is to cut off that flow, 
There will be consequences, full stop. Yeah. No debate, no messing around. You talk about this is chilling. So basically, from what you're saying now, what I'm getting here is Victor's a patsy because he represented a board of people that make these decisions as a body. And the chilling thing is, this is why public executions used to happen, to be a message to everybody else. Yes, it's both a message, and now we get into the other murky business. It's both a message. I don't for one moment doubt that is the case. But it's also to do with the horrible, weird, and completely untransparent internal politics. Yeah of the SAR government and its bosses in Beijing. So at the moment, Carrie Lam has a pretty good report card from the bosses. You know, she's tough, she's blah, blah, blah. What what is a black mark on her report card is that she hasn't enacted Article 23 legislation. So what she's saying to them is, look, boys, I might not have done that, but I can do everything you want without even having that law in place. It's to do with those politics. That's the dynamic that we're looking at. To eleven, Steve Vines. Well, we have an email here from Bowen who, who who says, "Good to know that Steve is as much a fan of John Mortimer as I once was." He's he's referring to the author of uh, Rumpole of the Bailey, a seminal work, if I may say. Anyway, he says in commenting on Tam Yu Chung's remark on the deportation of Victor Mallet, as it was called by some, Steve touched on a distinction between the mindsets of Chinese rulers and Western politicians, so fundamental that it may well be the cause of the clash of the two among several mm. camps of civilization that was in the mind of Samuel Huntington. When Western politicians enter into negotiations with each other, there is an assumption that there's very often the necessity of some give and take. With Chinese rulers, they assume that their opposite numbers have to think in the way they're expected to. Uh, you know, it's that famous... What Bain raises that famous thing that happened in, in China and still happens. You know what you've done. You know, you go, what am I accused of? You know what you've done. Bowen, thank so, you. So thank you for that. Thank you very much. I'm just, I'm just thinking of uh, something along the lines of, um, the, you know, the way, things are, the way things are done, as you're talking about, yeah. basically, emperors and eunuchs. Yeah, all of that. Well, talking of which, that, 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 that's a segue. Mm. You know, you, have you ever had one of those? You, you, can buy them, <laughs> you can buy them at Park and Shop. They're on the shelf at half a dozen. It's a segue into the, the, the most exciting thing that's happened this century or possibly a couple of centuries. We're talking about the policy address. Pracy, the policy pracy. <laughs> the policy pracy. But what I love about this, what well, love about it, I mean, if you were a property developer or a construction company, um, I, to be as crude as I possibly can without being, <laughs> what's it, censored, we're talking wet knickers time. They would be so, so pleased to hear that $500 billion are going into this um, reclamation product in uh, product project in offland tau i mean think about this they keep saying they got no money for this no money for that we got to protect the reserves this takes out half of hong kong's financial reserves all gambled on one project and we know at the end of the day who's going to end up buying all the flats anyway yes exactly there's all of that but i mean this is this is from the government that likes to learn from experience it's so good at big projects the railway to nowhere, the bridge to nowhere, the cruise terminal that nobody wants to use, the only nationalised Disneyland on Earth that loses money every year and doesn't have any local people going to it, but it's filled up with mainlanders. I mean, project after project after project does not do what it says on the tin. 
Now they say, oh, I'll tell you what, because they've all failed, let's do a big, a big, let's big, do another big, big, Mad Hatter. Let's do a really Mad big, bigly, bigly one, as, as Donald <laughs> Trump would say. Place, yeah. Let's go on to a real big one. So, I mean, I have to say that if nothing else had happened, and not much else did happen in this policy, but if nothing else had happened, this reckless, reckless gamble on one project with half of Hong Kong's reserves Mm. is beyond belief stupid. But even worse than that is, what what does Carrie Lam have to say to people who are living in squalor? And there's no other way of putting it at the moment. Oh, well... We'll be, if you could just hang on for another 20 to 30 years, says she from her very large government paid for flat, if you could hang on for 20 to 30 years, you, you'll be fine. Oh, Mrs. Wong, you'll be dead. Well, <laughs> life is short. Life is short. Boy. It comes to all of us. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, the, it, it, instead of sitting down and saying, what have we got that we could do quickly? We could do a bit of this. We could do a bit of brownfield site. Well, it's in there, incidentally, a bit of brownfield site. We could start talking to um, the mainland authorities about using some of that unland, unused land that the garrison par- currently occupies. We could look at other projects. In I mean, the, their, their scheme for transforming industrial buildings... I think we'll produce oh, at least 100 units, so that will that will be really impressive. You know, there's lots that can be done and can solve people's problems in the foreseeable future at a fraction of this price. But oh no, oh no, we've got to look after so the, the property developers, because after all, if there's a worthy cause in Hong Kong, can you think of one more worthy than property developers? Hard, hard to think of one. I like, I like the idea that you, you, the notion of do a little bit here, a little bit there. I mean, there's, there's a, I really don't understand this mindset of corralling things. Yes. Is exactly. it because it looks neat and tidy? And, and they're all, we've talked about this on this program before. These, these bureaucrats love legacy projects. You know, I started this. It's my project. It's massive much bigger than your one yeah yeah you know i mean i've been in playgrounds where where there's a level of dialogue that's a bit more impressive than this so there's that going on oh and then they're going to hand out because you know resources are really tight really tight we can't afford to nothing nothing incidentally for to alleviate poverty nothing but there is 293 billion for employers to stop them taking money out of employees mpf funds that's 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 great and then there's this weird thing. I have to say, I find it really weird, and here all hopes of having popularity will end, about e-cigarettes. That's I, random. It's very you random. You know what's going to happen? A lot of people who vape went to it from smoking real cigarettes. Yes. So, so they're just going go to go back to cigarettes now. <laughs> so that's great. I mean, what they're now saying is, so this is where logic is not, not great. They're saying, well, it seems to us that vaping is as harmful as smoking. Well, if that's the case, why is smoking legal? Uh, well, it's not illegal. Why is the sale of, of tobacco products legal and the sale of vaping products illegal? That doesn't make sense. And the reason I don't like this is I'm not quibbling with the medical evidence. I think smoking isn't good for your health. I think vaping almost certainly isn't good for your health. But no, neither is eating a hot dog a day in McDonald's. Neither is eating all that fatty and sweet food. So, you know, you've got to say at some stage in the proceedings, the citizen is responsible for themselves. But this, I don't, I wish I should read up on this one. What's, so, what's so toxic about 
vaping is I, I don't know the medical evidence but I'm just saying even if even if and you know it's entirely conceivable yeah it is as it is as damaging as smoking there's no logic in saying well you know tobacco you can sell that anywhere you like on every street corner in Hong Kong which is literally the case incidentally but these things you can't because and they're and as damaging just, as tobacco I just, don't I mean I understand where Carrie's coming from because she's a bureaucrat they love regulation, and she loves to be able to go around and go. I've I've cracked down. I've I, 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 I've eliminated a major health hazard. Well, as you point out, on the one hand, that's almost certainly not true because people go back to smoking, and on the other hand, you know, have you ever heard of the interweb? I was going to say <laughs> the, the so-called black market in this stuff is going to go through the roof. Yes, I mean, see you later. I I I, I do know someone who actually we both know who already imports all of this through through this interweb thing. So, you know, there'll just be more of that. So, A, it won't work, B, it's nonsense, and C, it's morally objectionable, in my view. It's a bit random, in my view. Well, it's random, (laughs) but it's morally objectionable because I do believe that citizens should be responsible for their own health. I don't get this idea that if you go around banning this, that and the other... You're, you're, you're doing good for person kind. Don't yeah. get that. Just go to an email from Steve. He says, several years ago, <laughs> already many people were saying that Hong Kong was, quote, gone to the dogs. After everything that Steve has covered so far this morning, would he agree that we have reached such a terrible state of affairs? I'm not... You know, I'm, I'm always very averse to, to apocalyptic statements of where we are. I think we're on we're on the path going downwards, not on the path it's going upwards. How long is this path? Several well, things have happened. I think, that, you think but it's that's game the over. point. In in, in <clears throat> societies have a resilience of their own that defy the worst, the very worst, and boy, some of them are bad attempts of the leaders to, um, you know, to to uh, undermine the societies. I mean, here you've got government officials, this business with uh, expelling journalists, you know, kicking away the pillars of Hong Kong society so that they can brown those up to the bosses in Beijing. Kicking them away, not regarding the consequences. They just don't care. 